Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Welcome back to the Lombardi Line. If you haven't already, make sure you check out the new and improved vcin.com. Our website's got a fresh new look, enhanced navigation with a mobile-first focus, improved functionality, and expanded educational content on the website today. Plenty of best bets, trends, predictions, everything you need to know for college basketball, the NBA, the NHL, and if you're all ready for baseball, don't worry. We've got an article on how to bet on spring training. For baseball so get ready for that vcin.com is where you can get it all uh welcome back story about Tony and michael lombardi with you and, and michael before we hit the break we were talking a little bit about maybe kurt cousins could be an interesting name yeah. for a conversation with the atlanta falcons there was a report from albert breer that came out earlier this week where he said the vikings weren't willing to give kurt cousins a fully guaranteed contract and i kind of wanted to go down this road because where things sit right now the vikings are still a minus 200 favorite to land the services of kurt cousins moving forward o'connell has made numerous comments about how he would like to see kurt cousins there we know he's comfortable that's where his family is he likes living there Ultimately, what would be the deciding deciding factor to you? Do you think that fully guaranteed contract is that important to Kirk Cousins at 36 years old? And as you said, coming off the Achilles. Well, I mean, you know, certainly I think it, it's got to be interesting if somebody else could give it to him. Here, here's the issue, right? Cousins has got his contract voids on 313-24. And he has a full no trade clause in his contract. So they can't agree to a trade or trade him somewhere else. So he carries $28.5 million of dead money. If he leaves, they're on the books for $28.5. Now, they could restructure this contract and do away with the void. They have every right to do that right now because, you know, we this is what you – they could tear up this contract and start it over again and maybe lower some of that cap, dead cap money because that's lingering out there. That's on their cap for next season. If he walks on 313 and he voids, then, you know, they're going to eat 28.5. And now if they re-sign him, what is his cap number going to be? So I think a lot of this is is gamesmanship, right? I mean, you know, if you cut me, 
you know, if, if I void on 313, you, I, you've got $28 million that you still remember me by and you want to do a new contract. So the onus is on you to give me the deal I want. That's kind of how I'm reading this. So before Cousins tore his Achilles back in week eight uh, and was miss, forced to miss the final nine games of the season, he was having a career year for himself, 18 touchdowns, five interceptions in eight games, nearly 70% completions. His QBR was the best that he had had since 2016. So a lot of things were going well for him in that offense. But I wonder, and I'm curious, your thoughts on this, like how much interest should we expect four teams from him, given that he's coming off the injury. And the last time that he went through this process, he really only had two primary suitors in the Vikings and Jets. Now he's older. Now he's got a popped Achilles coming off of an injury. It's, you know, a tough, one of the tougher injuries in the sport to recover from. What, what, what is your expectation for the way that teams are going to be looking at Cousins? Well, I mean, you know, my only exposure, I mean, he obviously was playing really well. And the reason I brought up Atlanta is because Zach Robinson is in that system and they all know when he's in that system under center boots and nakeds and all that. But the only thing I could go with the Achilles is you brought this to my attention was when he was dancing. Yeah. I mean, he looked good dancing, right? <laughs> he For did. moving around. You he, know, he looked pretty damn good. It looked like he had movement. So. If he's healthy, I can't see him not playing for two more years. They gave him a two-year deal before with 35 per year fully guaranteed. I can't see why if they feel like, and they can they can watch him, if they feel like he can play for two more years, why they wouldn't just guarantee it. They're on the hook for 28-5. I mean, they're, they're stuck with it. They're not getting away from that. I'd have a hard time thinking that Kevin O'Connell sees himself having the quarterback of his future because – if he doesn't sign with Minnesota, they're in a complete rebuild because Daniel Hunter's not going to – I mean, it's going to try to tumble down. I think they need him. I mean, they need him to bridge themselves. Could they get someone else? Sure you could. You could always – you could sign Jacoby Brissett. You could sign somebody else at a much reduced number and move on. But I, I, And you're still carrying $28.5 million yeah. of debt. I just wonder – and then you're going to have to get yourself a quarterback anyway. Yeah, we'll see what that figure ends up being and, and where Cousins ultimately lands. But because you mentioned that dancing, for anybody who missed it, at NFL Honors, he and Cam Jordan were up on the stage breaking it down with the Magic Mike cast here in Vegas. And everybody talks about Aaron Rodgers when he was coming back from the Achilles and throwing a football on the field. What what Cousins was doing was pretty, pretty impressive, I will say. Yeah. Um, another, I mean, you made me watch it yeah. when we were together in Vegas. I mean, like, that was pretty damn good, yeah. right? He's got some. he's got some moves, too. He can sing as well. Multi-talented, that Kirk Cousins. He Another... Don't you think he'll be on Dancing with the Stars soon? I mean, if I were if I were producing Dancing with the Stars, I'm like, we got to get that guy over here. Have him in Is the back pocket for when for he retires. I think so. I think he's, yeah, it's, it's the NFL. Yeah, me too. It's the NFL, Michael. Um, but another team that yeah. is in need of fixing at the quarterback position is certainly uh, the New England Patriots. This past year, they were tied for last with only the Carolina Panthers in the NFL at 13.9 points per game, 31st in total QBR. Only the Jets had worse quarterback play than New England, 31st and third down percentage. All of these, their worst numbers since 1992. And head coach Gerard Mayo, as well as offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt, took to the podium yesterday, and we're talking a little bit about their plans for the offense. Let's take a listen to the Patriots' new OC on some of his thoughts. There's some good pieces in place. Um, I think the best thing for everybody is, is well, 
since he cut out, I can complete that quote. Uh, he said, we have some good pieces in place. I think the best thing for everybody is going to be a fresh start for everyone. I've talked to a couple guys already about coming in with a clean slate, no preconceived expectations or notions about who these guys are, and then we'll build from the ground up. And yes, Mac Jones was among those players discussed when asked specifically about Mac being the starter. He said, quote, everything is on the table for the Patriots. Well, look, I, I think this, you know, I mean, you can say we're going to start clean. This isn't high school, right? I mean, we're got, we, the reason we tape all these games is to watch them, right? I mean, that's just the reality. We watch them, we study them, we draw conclusions. Now, there's some circumstances that come into play. What were you told? What was happening on this play, that play? But, you know, look, this is all just a kind of a, a decoy to let not to make people think they're going to be completely quarterback hunting. They have to be. I don't think I think they're a team that if they got a quarterback, they got to fix the offensive line in terms of they don't have a left tackle. What do they sign? What do they do at right tackle at, at that situation? So there's a couple of things they need to do in there. But for the most part, like any team like the Houston Texans, you get the quarterback, everything else starts to look a little rosy. And they need to fix that. It'll be interesting to see what direction they go. They're in a high enough draft pick that if they like somebody there well enough, they certainly can go after them. Yeah, currently hold that number three overall pick in the upcoming draft. And a few quarterbacks that people talk about very, very highly beyond Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, and the list goes on. Mac Jones, 18 to 24 in three seasons as the Patriots starter, 46 touchdowns, 36 interceptions. But I wonder, Michael, like I keep on thinking about this. Did Matt Patricia and Joe Judge just break just break Mac Jones because the regression from that time has just gone down, oh downhill from when he was a runner up for offensive rookie of the year. When he entered the league, it has been a far cry from what we saw from him his first season. Yeah. I, and, and I think it, you know, it started going in the wrong direction with, with, with Joe and with Matt, but then it really went bad with Billy O. Like it really went bad with Billy yeah. O. Like, I don't know, like last year was as bad as I've ever seen it. But although I went back and watched his year with Josh, you know, Josh McDaniels. And it there were some moments where it wasn't good, where he was making some poor decisions with the football. But it, it got really bad at that point there. And I think to me, that's going to be uh, that's going to be something that I don't know if it's just on one person. I think it's going to be really about, you know, about him improving in a lot of other areas that he's going to have to do. And then they've got to compare him, Stormy. They've got to compare him to all the other guys that are out there. Like, who else can they get? What can they do? And, you know, where can they improve their football team? Which I think this gives an ample opportunity to find that. Find that. They're going to have plenty of opportunity to do it. So if you're the Patriots and you're in that number three position, do you think that it's a quarterback that they have to take? Or would you want to try to beef up your offense or in another way, maybe a Marvin Harrison Jr. or do something else with the pick, trade down maybe and get J.J. McCarthy a little bit later? What what would your thoughts be with that number three pick? I think that's the conversation, right? You know, and it's too early to tell because we haven't gone to the combine. But if you like somebody else, if you like Bo Nix, if you like McCarthy, and you say, look, there's not enough of this separation between the two, then, you know, we could pick a guy or we could trade down. We could get more picks. We could end up doing a lot of different things. I think the one thing that combine does for us is it says it tells us if where the level of greatness is, right? I mean, you know, like, where is the elite player and where is the cutoff from the elite player? Like you don't want to pass up a generational talent because you want to trade down. 
But if no one's a generational talent, does it matter whether you pick somebody seventh or tenth? They're all the same player. Absolutely. A lot of interesting conversations still to come. The NFL scouting combine in Indianapolis beginning this coming Monday. We're going to hit the break. When we come back, look into some best bets for tonight. Our guy, Mike Somich, VEASAN host, professional handicapper, is going to join us on the program in a moment. We'll be right back. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. This week on DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers can deposit $5 and get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Download the app and use the promo code VSIN when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, 
The crown is yours. Thank you to Mike Somich for joining us, giving out some of his best bets for the day. If you want to use one of those for the promotion, go for it. Stormy Bonantoni and Michael Lombardi <laughs> back with you here on the Lombardi line. And earlier this week, Michael, with the franchise tag window officially opening up, we did a little exercise. We started it, but we didn't get to finish it called sign them, tag them or let them walk. Looking at some of these players who are up for the franchise tag with their respective teams. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in a unique situation on the surface where they have three players that could be headed for free agency in Mike Evans, Baker Mayfield and Antoine Winfield Jr. But it seems a little bit obvious that Winfield is going to be the one in that position because of the cost of the tag for the other two players. So let's start with Antoine Winfield Jr. Sign him, tag him or let him walk. Well, I mean, they got to keep somebody, right? And they got some cap issues. You can't tag Mayfield because that number, you start negotiating from that point on. So to me, you've got a lot of work to do. They're going to be a busy team at the Combine. I think to me, at worst case scenario, you tag Winfield because he is a good player. You know, you don't want to carry that cap number for as long as you do. That's why they're going to work out these next 10 days and try to work a deal. But for me, I, I think ultimately you've got to tag him because the other two you can't. And you need to keep your players, but they've got so much cap issues they've got to get through. I think it's going to take them a little bit of time. So with that, what do you think ends up ultimately happening with Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans? Obviously, they both want to stay in Tampa, but is that reality? Well, I think Mike Evans is going to have a huge market, right? It's all about the market. So I think he's going to have a huge market in terms of getting a number that's close to what he wants. Mayfield's best number is going to come from the from the Buccaneers. You know, Carolina, his former coach, Dave Canales, I don't think they're going to go for it, certainly because of Bryce Young. But who else is your competition? One thing about quarterbacks, you could sit there and look at your competition. Would the Raiders pay a lot of money for Baker Mayfield and not draft a quarterback? I don't think so. Would Atlanta? You know, he'd let him on a comeback to win the game in Atlanta. That seems a little bit strange to me. People are trying to put him up in New England, but I don't see that one either. So for me, I would say, you know, the best deal is going to come from the Buccaneers. So that's why I think they'll get him back. And he, if you remember when he and a number of players were out here in Las Vegas for Super Bowl week, the hot mics a little bit when he was leaving one of the sets here in Vegas on media row, he was saying like, yeah, our, our plan is to run it back and, you know, kind of giving some insight to some of those behind the scenes conversations. So where I sit right now, I still expect Baker Mayfield to come back and be the quarterback of the Bucks, but it's anybody's game in free agency. That is for sure. How about the Raiders running back Josh Jacobs, Michael, uh, obviously dealt with some injuries this year ended up with 805 yards, six touchdowns in 13 games. So a far cry from last season when he was the NFL's rushing leader. Sign him, tag him, or let him walk. I, I'm going to try to sign him. I'm not going to tag him because I've got, you know, that eats up my cap room. And I'm just going to play the game of where I think this could go. Like, let the market declare. There's nothing wrong with letting the market declare what you have to pay. Then you have the option to come back. Because one thing I do know about Josh Jacobs, I think he likes Antonio Pierce. I think he likes playing for the Raiders, and I know the Raiders want him to be there. So I fully expect him to come back and say, okay, you know, what, 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 this is what I have in the market. This is what it would take, and here's what I'm going to need. And then see where you go. So I think you'll get first right of refusal. There's nothing wrong with first right of refusal, right? You don't have to tag to get first right. Or at least you get the market value. Michael, do you think that we're going to get another running back Zoom conference this offseason? 
Yeah, of course we are. Yeah, we're going to complain about it, and it'll be the media will cover it like crazy, and we'll and it'll go on. I mean, I don't know why you're going to. Ta- I mean, look at the reality of it is is you you've got to find other ways. You can't pay everybody in a cap world. There's always going to be somebody who's going to lose. No question about that. Uh, Let's keep these rolling here with some of the players who are up for a potential franchise tag while the window is open from now until March 5th. Ravens defensive tackle Justin Matabuke, his franchise tag value, Michael, 20.9 million. Sign him, tag him, or let him walk. I'm tagging him. I'm going to tag him. I mean, look, I want to get him signed to a contract, and I'm going to take the next 10 days. But the fine inside defensive lineman is hard. And, you know, you got to pay. I'd rather pay him than Ronnie Stanley. They paid Ronnie Stanley. I'd rather pay him. They need him in there. And I think to me, you got to pay him. So I'm going to tag him. I'm going to try to get him done before, but I'm going to tag him. 13 sacks, 33 quarterback hits, 52 combined tackles, 12 TFLs, one forced fumble for him. Let's stick with the position. Christian Wilkins out there with the Miami Dolphins, Michael. Same tag value, same position, defensive tackle. Sign him, tag him, or let him walk in Miami. Well, I'm going to tag them, but they have no room to tag them. $51 million, they're over the cap, plus all they talk about is re-signing Tua. So, you know, and that and Tua's already said it's due to happen, and, the you know, so they're going to do that. I, I, I To me, I, I'm going to keep him. He's going to make a lot of money in the open market. There's no question because he's a really good player, can rush the – he can pressure the quarterback. He's not a pass rusher. He can pressure the quarterback – but he's got the ability to make it, you know, to make the intake, the inside run. He's a physical presence inside, really a good player. I'm definitely tagging him, but they don't have the cap room, Stormy. So how tough is that from the uh, a general manager perspective? Obviously, you've been in that chair and you've had to go through this entire process when there's so much from the outside looking in, people telling you what you should do, thinking what you should do. You're trying to have the conversation with the player. Hey, I want you around, but can we make the financials work? How difficult are those conversations this time of year? Well, you're always having it with the agent, not directly with the player. But here's where the hard part gets into, which I don't think the fans understand, is is what is the owner's tolerance to spend cash over cap, right? That That's the key. Because the cap is always going to balance itself out. The owner's eventually going to come out even on the cap because it takes away when you spend cash over cap. For example, the last 10 years, the Patriots have been the lowest spending team in the National Football League. They've won Super Bowls, but they've not spent cash over cap. Okay, and that's because they don't have a lot of bad contracts that they redo. They don't want they don't want that dead money. But when you have Kirk Cousins and he's eating twenty eight million dollars of your cap and he's not on your team, you're going to go cash over cap because you're going to have to spend to get some contracts redone. It's a vicious cycle. It's a credit card. And so that's really where the conversation comes in. Now, Stephen Ross, the owner of Miami, he's been spending money like crazy because he wants to win a Super Bowl. And he's not not been shy about going cash over cap. It hasn't worked, but he hasn't been shy about it. You know, so I think that's really the conversation that the fans don't see. Everybody thinks because of the cap, everybody's going to spend equally. No, not that's not always the case. You know, they're going to spend based on what the owner's tolerance is for cash over cap. With the cap- owner could say to you, look, it's your cap. You run it. But there's only so much money on sign and bonus and guarantee you can get. Yeah, for sure. What was the just because cap is on the mind right now? What did you think of the number that has been put out there for what the salary cap might raise to uh, Mike Florio over there of PFT and NBC? He, he said it could raise to upwards of maybe two hundred fifty million dollars. 
Look, you know, the cap is tied to revenue, right? The cap is all tied to revenue. So it's the revenue that comes in. That's why when we go, to, that's why anybody who gets mad at Taylor Swift for what she's done for the game is, is they're, they're hurting themselves. They're hurting all of us, you know, us in television, us in field. Yeah, it's the revenue streams, the ratings come in. All that goes on to the players. The owners don't make all the money. You know, the players get value. Now, the problem is in the league is some of the players that are going to be getting money aren't really worth it. We're getting further and further away from value. That's the hard part. That's why you have to draft so well. But the money that's coming in is always going to end up getting to the players, which is what it should do. They're the ones who people are watching to play this great game. And it's going to continue to rise because of it. All right, let's hit one more here before we have to go to the break. Yeah. Sign him, tag him, or let him walk. Bears corner, Jalen Johnson, the franchise tag value, $18.8 million. I'm going to tag him. I mean, look, they, they are the least spending team last year. They spent $190 million of, of cash last year. They don't really have any, they don't really have any, you know, debt. And so, you know, they could easily tag him and they're not going to pay a quarterback. I think that's pretty clear, right? I think they're going to allow that quarterback to go out and then they'll trade him and do whatever they want to do. But for me, I'm going to keep the best corner and go from there. Now, Eberflus, you know, the way he plays his scheme, this is part of the issue too, is you, you don't really want to put a lot of money in corners because he's a zone concept guy. And you can find young players in the zone concept that you could put out there. But at some point, you got to play man-to-man. And I just think, to me, you can't let good corners get out there. He'll make more than that in the open market. Promise you that. Four, touch, four interceptions, including a pick six in 14 games played, 10 pass deflections. Uh, really, really good player there on the defensive back end. We'll continue a little bit of our Bears conversation because Matt Eberflus confirmed today he will be the defensive play caller moving forward despite their new D.C. We'll be right back on the Lombardi line. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Start your morning with a daily dose of winning strategies, insider tips, and the latest buzz with the free VSEN daily newsletter. In today's newsletter, our guy Bill A.D. gives you a little tease for the VSEN baseball betting primer. Adam Burke, who was on the show with us yesterday, loves baseball, huge baseball better dives into the numbers and analytics he's making sure everybody knows how to bet spring training as well yet yeah, if it exists you can bet on it ladies and gentlemen beeson.com slash newsletter for all of the fun from our guy bill every day do you disagree with these takes no way uh-uh, no way or do you approve oh no doubt no doubt no doubt my mind It's time to ask Michael Lombardi, no way or no doubt. All right, Michael, the Patriots' new offensive coordinator, Alex Van Pelt, said yesterday when asked if he could envision Mac Jones starting in 2024, everything is on the table. ESPN Patriots reporter Mac Reese also says the Patriots drafting a quarterback with the number one, with the number three overall pick, quote, should not be a given. No way or no doubt the Patriots will draft a QB in the first round in 2024. 
Well, I think that this is falls between uh, we're not sure yet. I think we don't have enough information. But I would say no way to Mac Jones being the quarterback. Okay. I would say there would be a different quarterback uh, than Mac Jones. So I, I'm going to kind of fudge. This is one of those you can't really give a no way or no doubt. I could see them signing a guy because they feel like the draft or they're not worth it or they could trade down. Robert Kraft has already said this is the most important draft in his 31 years in his career as the owner. So we'll see. But for me, I think ultimately, you know, we're too early in the process. Everybody wants an answer on who they're going to get. Here we are in February and you, you know, you go through Twitter and you read, well, who are we going to get? I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Eagles are asking who they're going to get. You know, they want to know, like, it's too early. You don't even know who you're going to get. And, and let's be really clear here again, Stormy. The, the difference between now quarterbacks change teams, right? We know that, right? We saw what CJ Stroud did. We saw what Bryce Young didn't do. Quarterbacks change teams. They change their win total. But other than the quarterback position, no one else is going to, this draft will not shift or alter your draft wins. That's why we see them already. That's why DraftKings has put them out. This team's nine and a half. That team's eight. This team's 10. You know, even if you draft, even if the Patriots draft a quarterback, their number's not going to go up. Even if the Falcons trade for the greatest quarterback in the history of 10 wins in Justin Fields, their number's not going to go up, right? It's all going to be the same. And so I think you have to be careful about putting so much on the draft. The draft is just the newer play. What matters more than anything is last year's draft. We got to get those guys to play good. Sure. That was a hell of a line there on Justin Fields. But as it pertains to the Patriots, one thing is for sure they they need a lot of change offensively because it was they and the Carolina Panthers, who Panthers obviously the worst team in the league this year with just two wins, had the fewest points points scored per game this year. And the only team with worst quarterback play in terms of QBR was the Jets. So it was problematic offensively for this squad. Let's go to college football here. Uh, Lots of reports coming out of yesterday's CFP meeting including the indication that before the 12-team playoff has even gotten underway, Michael, that they're talking about in 2026 expanding to 14 or 16 teams. No way or no doubt, the CFP should continue playoff expansion beyond 12 teams. Well, I mean, I think 14 might be the limit, right? I think, let's go back. I mean, we, we were talking about this yesterday when we had Stuart Mandel on. You know, I don't, there's no way they should expand it. Let me answer the question. I don't think it should go to 14 because there was going to be some games. What did he say? If if we would have had this last year, five would have played, Georgia would have played Liberty. Would that have been a good game? You know, you know what I'm saying? So do we really have 14 that we could make good? Look, we've gone to seven playoff. We've gone to, this was the first year a seven seed beat anybody in the end in, in the playoffs and obviously green bay took care of business but you know I, I think to me 14 college teams qualifying may be a stretch 12 might be the right number i think it's probably 10 would be more of the right number also i think to be fair based on the number that oregon did on liberty in the fiesta bowl anyone would have beat up on liberty no matter the format um but uh Cassie, yeah, that's me i feel bad they were an undefeated fair. team i don't with think the it's season. fair you know they, they had a great year but it's a it's a different level i mean well, we're that, seeing this with the nil on you know it's hard that's the thing michael and i am a proponent of the group of five more than just about anybody i absolutely love g5 football and i pull for the underdog i love those types of teams when they have those exceptional seasons um but i think 12 is a good number like let's get through 12 
Let's see how 12 works before we talk yeah. about adding in more teams and see what the level of competition is from that standpoint. Um, in this offseason, running backs are going to be a topic of conversation once again, just like they were last year. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Tony Pollard, the list goes on. Running backs that are still looking for deals. No way or no doubt. Running backs will have an easier time getting paid this offseason than they did last year. No way. No way. I think they're going to have a hard time. They're going to continue to have a hard time. I think they're going to continue to have a hard time. You don't think I, Jonathan I think Taylor's me, deal will, will be, help them at all? I think it hurts them. I think the Taylor deal hurts them because I think that people are going to say, well, if he got this money, why don't I get it? I mean, it's a fair point to make. It's a fair point to make. You say, if you're if you're Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor got $14 million a year, why can't I get 14 a year? And there hasn't seemed to have been an appetite to, to pay that. If teams want to pay that, they'll just franchise you. I mean, the Giants could sign, you know, are they going to sign Barkley to 14 a year? So between Daniel Jones at 40 and Barkley at, at 14 or 15, 14 a year, that's $54 million of their cap tied up in two players where they haven't been able to win when they've had them. Yeah. I, I just feel like, and we talked about this so much last offseason, but winning competent level production at the running back position can come at a far lower price in contracts that are far less prohibitive when you just get guys in the draft yeah. and they're and they're younger and you look at a guy like Isaiah Pacheco who uh you know helped the Chiefs defend their yeah, Super Bowl title as a 7th rounder. I mean it's the greatest example, right? They draft Edward Solaire in the first round and the 7th rounder ends up being better. <laughs> and let's be clear, they wouldn't be where they are if it weren't for Pacheco. His numbers increased. He went from 14 carries up to 21 come playoff time. So yeah, I'm with you. If if you could find Pacheco in in a very you know at, at from Rutgers by Vineland High School, I mean that's pretty damn good. And credit <laughs> Brett Veach and the Chiefs staff, and credit Andy Reid for playing him over the first rounder too. Well, and here's the thing, Michael. Yes, he is a seventh rounder, is the diamond in the rough. But non first round running backs having success is is normal. You look at the Dolphins running backs, Devon yeah. Achan, third round, Raheem Mostert, undrafted. Of the top 10 running backs in the NFL this year, in terms of yards, only Christian McCaffrey and Najee Harris were first round picks. Derrick Henry, Kyron Williams, James Cook, DeAndre Swift, Joe Mixon, David Montgomery, all second round or later. So you can get guys later yeah, on. Just that, that's right. And, and let's face it, Najee was in the bottom 20 sure. and people criticized that pick, right? You know, and, and, and McCaffrey was, I think he was in the teens or maybe maybe 10. He, was, he wasn't, you know, wasn't the first pick overall. I mean, I think you, you just can't overvest. I mean, you only have so many cap dollars to spend. You can't give it to somebody else. And there's other backs out there. You got to find them and you got to make sure that you pick the right one that fits your run game. See, this is the big thing about running backs, too, is, is you got to get the right marriage between the scheme and the, what the back sees and how the back runs, right? Because that's the key. Some guys are not good at running outside zones. Some guys are good at running outside zones. Some guys are better at point of entry runs. So you got to get the right kind of, it's not all backs are the same. Yeah, and Christian McCaffrey, where he was drafted and the payday that he has had is because he's more than just an everyday run-of-the-mill running back as well. He does Correct. so many different things that it commands that price tag. Uh, let's hit another one here, though. Go back to college football a little bit. Nick okay. Saban is right 
college football is in need of meaningful change. He told ESPN this week, if his voice can bring about some meaningful change, he wants to help any way he can. What we know now is college football is not college football as we know it. You hear somebody use the word student athlete that doesn't exist. No way or no doubt. Nick Saban's right. He's no doubt he's right. And he and he should be the he should be on the front of it. They should listen to him. Now, the problem you have is doing what's right and doing what's legal. Right. There is the line. Can you do this? Can you just enforce rules? See, the NFL is a collectively bargained league. There's no collective bargaining between student athletes and the NC2A and the schools. So this is a tougher challenge. You put some rule in place that a student could take to a court and it could be gone within an hour. So there's change is important, but being able to have the change that's legal change that gets passed by everybody is even harder. That question I asked Stuart Mandel yesterday, if we're gonna have 12, are we gonna let these kids transfer in the middle of everything? He brought up Kyle Allen, he's right, you know? Kyle McCord, I'm sorry, he brought up Kyle McCord. I mean, that's a hard thing. To, I don't, I, I'd like to see him stop changing schools when the bowl games are going on and then do it after. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with the academic calendar too. And you see coaches being able to take off at that time. So how do you coordinate all this and make it make sense and make those games meaningful? Plus, I need to do a little more research on this, but the number of coaches that have left college football for the NFL each of the last two years, 23, last year, 28, feels like a lot. We'll be right back on the Lombardi Line. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. This week on DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers can deposit $5 and get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Download the app and use the promo code VSIN when you sign up. That's V-S-I-N. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. We're wrapping up today's edition of the Lombardi Line on VSIN and DraftKings Network. Mike Palm in studio with us, and it is time for Palm's Pressing 3. What do we got today? All right, Michael, number one, in this coaching cycle that we're in in the NFL what is the most baffling staff hire to you head coach assistant coach or I was I was focusing on assistants or coordinators what what decision do, are you scratching your head about I was surprised at the Kellen Moore hiring here in Philly because you know, Philly's success was with the run game, right? I mean, Philly, Shane Steichen did a great job of the RPO game, the run game, and I don't see that as being Kellen Moore's specialty. I think one of the things he's doing, you know, he's got a bright offensive mind, but in terms of how he managed the game, I kind of thought that one, although, you know, he's very well, you know, he's popular. I thought the Roman hire for Jim to go back to him again after his brother fired him as a, well, they say they didn't fire him. You know how that goes, but... That reality of it is with no passing game and you have Justin Herbert there, that staff to me, as much as I love Jim, that offensive staff is a little bit confusing in the sense that you've got Herbert, you've got his coach at quarterbacks, you've got Roman, then you've got Mark Tressman as a senior assistant. There's a lot of personalities in those, in those places. And I thought the Anthony Weaver hire in Miami was fascinating in that sense because Weaver's a defensive line coach. He's never really coached the back end, so it's going to take some kind of co-coordinator type stuff to get that worked out. And I think walking in there uh, and having to replace Vic, who the players didn't really like because he was too demanding on them. Well, what does that tell you about what's going on with their program, right? Like you're in South Florida. It's, you're going to have to be demanding and hold people accountable to football and those things because there's a lot of stuff to do in South Florida. So off the top of my head, Mike, those would be the ones that I would look at and say, wait a minute, that, you know, those those kind of made me shift and wonder what the heck was going on. What about you, Mike? Did you have any that really caught you by surprise? No. So that's why I wanted to get Michael as a, maybe a tell for for future bets on teams okay. with, with coordinator decisions. It's interesting you brought up Greg Roman because I brought it up from the opposite standpoint and no hyperbole this morning. Number two was get the flock out of here. And it was about the parting of ways with Greg Roman because he couldn't develop the passing game with Lamar. But here in this AFC championship game, the number one rushing offense in all of football 
averaging five yards a carry, only ran the ball 18 times. They were down 17-7 at half. You would have thought it was 27-7 the way they played the second half. Lose the turnover battle, 3-0. And time of possession, 38-22. They totally abandoned the physical style of play against the Chiefs. And oh, by the way, a little a little mud in your eye to brother here. I'm going to hire Greg Roman now to, to run the charge. I thought there was a lot of irony in that. Okay, Michael, let's go to question number two. I don't know where to start the process because I know it's never ending, but I want to talk to you about or ask you about player evaluation from a, from a draft standpoint, but how does that whole process work throughout the course of the year? So I picked an arbitrary spot of let's just say teams are reporting to training camp. From an organization's player evaluation what does that look like in July and August all the way through the college football season and the end of the draft? What is that whole process that obviously continues over and over each year? Well, the, the, the process from the time you go to training camp to the time the season ends or you get there, it's all done by the personnel department, the college scouts, the personnel director. They're accumulating all the data and information and they're setting their board up, Right. And they're putting together what they see as the value of the players. They're making sure they're doing the guys who are going to be junior eligibles that come out or people that declare. And then once that's done, then they take that list and they try to include the assistant coaches into it, but not the broader sense of the list. So if you're the running back coach for the Raiders, you may get 15 guys to look at at the combine. You don't know their grades. You may have to interview 10 of them. You don't know their backgrounds. There's very limited information, changing of information. You'll know enough to ask questions, but you're not going to know all the details. And then you write your reports and you submit them. And sometimes some organizations will have meetings to go over what you wrote about. Some won't. Some will just take them and look at them. Some will listen to the assistants. Some won't. A lot of this comes from how much authority the head coach has. You know, and then how good the evaluators are on his staff and who he trusts to go out and evaluate. So once the season's over, then there's the mixture of of, of taking the college information to the pro people and letting them look at it. When you have a decision of quarterbacking, you're going to try to get the people that certainly the offensive coordinator, the head coach, the the, the general manager, the per, all the, the people that are paid to, to make a hard decision are going to be involved in it. As you can see, when you have too many people involved, you end up making the wrong decision. And I think the, the challenge for most teams are to get everybody aligned, right? It's to get everybody to understand what might be good for another team may not be good for us. And so the, and it's funny you say this. We're having a seminar today on the Daily Coach at 4 o'clock. It's free, and we're going to talk about how to, we're going to talk about this exact subject. It's about really who do you want your team to be and how do you visualize your team and what grading system do you have to utilize that? And the same thing applies in business, whether you're hiring for Circa, whether you're hiring for the Raiders. You have to have criteria for each position. A lot of teams don't spend enough time on that criteria. So scouts are just scouting outside in, not inside out. All right, final question, Michael. Have we come to an era to put an end to these all-star, all-pro games? Baseball's the only one that has any <laughs> resemblance to the actual game they played. This travesty in Sunday 
in Indianapolis. I mean, it was an interesting betting situation. We opened this game 366.5 and and closed 353.5, a 13-point move to the under because Adam Silver said, we're going to have a competitive game. It's not going to be like last year. Joe Dumars beat the drum. Everybody bet under, and the game should have had 173.2. I mean, it's, it's really a joke. Uh, and football went to the flags. And I mean, it, it has nothing to do with Isn't this really just about a resume for a Hall of Fame? I was a first team all pro. I was all pro. I was uh, I was in the all star. And the skills competition, which is the fun part of it, the three point contest, the quarterbacks, you know, accuracy contest and all that. Isn't that what it should be? And stop trying to pretend that we're going to have a game that's something like what we see during the regular season. I couldn't agree more. Now, baseball, it fits. Basketball, it should fit, right? It should fit. You, they should play harder. I mean, it's a game that we should be able to enjoy. That, you know, it's, uh, we're not saying it's going to be intense lockdown, Detroit Pistons, Chicago Bulls style with Chuck Daly on the sideline type of game. But we, we are saying it should showcase athleticism and talent, but not lack of effort like we're seeing. And I think that's the case Football, I completely agree with the direction it's going in. It's too risky for those guys to play in an all-star game and get hurt. It's just too risky. The, the, the finances don't work anymore. It used to be, Mike, that they went to go play the hula ball and made money on it, and it was important money that they needed to supplement their income and get more ex- you know, money. That ain't the case anymore, right? You got bonuses in your contract, the, the TV money. The Really the bigger issue for the NBA and for a lot of leagues other than football is – the NFL's Stormy asked this question today based on the PF Pro Football report saying the cap was going to go up. The money that's coming into the players in the NFL is going to increase the cap. The money the NBA may not be getting is going to maybe decrease their cap. And that's when they're going to have problems with their players because no player likes to take a pay cut. But if you're not bringing in revenue or bringing in ratings, how the hell do you keep charging the networks, which fund the leagues, what they're going to have to pay? All that to say, too, I, I know a lot of NBA fans were left a little bit stunned after because there's all this criticism about the game and how high scoring it is. And you have Luca throwing up a three from the opposite three point line, even though it's not a buzzer situation. But they still were up like 20 percent viewership from last year, which was all time low last year. Like, this was the second lowest. Fair. I mean, that's how that's how bad it's but, got, it's got like the three point contest, I think, is a blast. I oh, think that's I love it. super fun. Maybe it'll be Caitlin and Sabrina against Damon and, and Steph next like, year. Right. I mean, shouldn't the dunk contest it. be somebody who's actually playing he in the hates league? Shouldn't Michael the dunk hates contest it. be somebody McClung who plays in the league? Champ. He hates it. Well, LeBron ruined it because he wouldn't play. It. All those guys yeah. used to do it. Right. Sean Kemp, Jordan. Dominique Wilkins, Vince Carter did. They did it for many, many years. And then when LeBron's, oh, I'm not going to compete. I think it just absolutely ruined it. And you just see the same the same stuff yeah. now. It's not like particularly creative no, anymore. I don't even watch it. Yeah, I only watched the three point. That's the only thing I watched. And I really watched it for the staff Sabrina. And, but yeah. both of them were awesome. The Steph and Sabrina Ionescu She, she one might was have won great. if she was in the regular contest against the men, right? <laughs> well, yeah, the she, made the round yeah. she made the finals. She made the finals. No, that was that was awesome. Great, great spot as Thank always. Uh, also, make sure if you missed hyper, no hyperbole today, you can download Follow the Money so you can Absolutely. listen to that in hour three. Um, Michael, fun stuff. I'll see you later on next week. That's a wrap for us today. Sharp Money is coming Thank up next year on Beeson.
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.